Hi, and welcome to the Unique Perspective Show, broadcast live on Hakol Radio, powered by the Montanivasar. Every person, and in particular, every Jew, is special and unique in his or her own way, contributing to society with their very own flavor. My name is Yehuda Blonder, your show host, and I was born with a rare medical condition called familial dysautonomia, also known as FD. Growing up and overcoming multitudes of medical challenges shaped the person I am today, as well as gave me a rather unique perspective on life. On this show, we will be sitting down with amazing people with unique perspectives in life who will give us a glimpse into their lives and what makes them who they are. Come along with me for the ride on the Unique Perspective Show on Hako Radio. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Unique Perspective Show, live on Hako Radio, powered by the Mansimivasar. On today's show, we are thrilled and honored to announce that we have Yehuda Kassir on the show. Yehuda lives in Lakewood, New Jersey, and is the director of Bika Holm of Lakewood. This week's episode is in memory of my dear friend, Rafi Strauss, Rafal Yaakov Yisrael Ben Ron. Please help me in welcoming Yehuda to the show. Welcome, Yehuda, and how are you? Baruch Hashem, fine. What's doing, Rabbi Kassira? Baruch Hashem, it's... Uh... We're, we're in the heat of summer right now, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on all over. Unfortunately, there's a lot going on in town, and we're trying our best to, to keep up with the pace. Wow. <clears throat> so w- where did you grow up? So I, I grew up in Flatbush. Oh, wow. Really? In Flatbush? Where in Flatbush? Ellen 10th. Wow. Okay. And which yeshivas did you go to? So I went to Cheder, I went to Yagel Tayer, which is Chesidashi uh, Yeshiva, then I went to Elements, on to Montreal, then Mir, and Baruch Hashem, I came to Lakewood at this point uh, 23 years ago already. <laughs> oh, wow. So so you made your, your tri- trip around the world, basically, for Yeshiva. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. So it, after Montreal and the Mir, you came straight to Lakewood or you went somewhere else first? I'm straight to Lakewood. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And were you in BMG then, or what were you doing so, then? I was in BMG. I was in Canada BMG for uh, close to five years. Oh, wow. Okay. And then after Kailo? I was a Rebbe for 10 years. In, uh, in, I was a Cheda Rebbe in Shikana of Lakewood. Wow. You were a, you were a Rebbe in Lakewood. Which... It, it, it's a Shikana of Lakewood, a third grade Rebbe. YTT. Wow. No, it's a Yeshiva Ketan. Oh, Yeshiva Okay. Um, so, you were, th- what grade were you? Third grade. Wow. Okay. So, after five years of being a Rebbe, what made you s- decide to stop being a Rebbe? So, I, w- I was a Rebbe actually for 10 years. I was actually doing it side by side. I was a Rebbe Cholm, and um, I was involved in them at, uh, something which really... It really um, took up most of my time, so I made the shift of doing Bikr Cholm full-time. Wow, so how did you get involved with Bikr Cholm of Lakewood? How? So initially, when, when I got involved, it was uh, Lakewood was a very uh, 
almost a staple at that point. I'm People sure it was down. small back then when you got involved. It was small back then, and the need was very small as well. And um, they, at that point, Bikachon was looking for a handful of volunteers to come visit uh, patients in Kimball Hospital. Okay. And as we say, uh, the rest is history. Wow. So how many years ago was that? At this point, it's close to 20 years ago already. Wow. 20 years. So you got involved with Bikachon, but how did you move up in the ranks of Bikachon to where it so, is now? So at that point, it was, it was a very small organization. There were a few original women that were involved in establishing it. They had the, some services in the hospital. Okay. Uh, some of the other services, which were unique to Lakewood then as a small startup town. And um, as, as the need evolved, myself and a couple of friends really, you know, helped uh, step up the game. And unfortunately, as Lakewood, or Baruch Hashem, as Lakewood exploded, unfortunately, the, needs, the need exploded with it. And uh, we constantly try to do our best to um, stay up to the base. Wow. So what does Bikachem do officially? Because I know that they do a lot of stuff, but what, is, what do they do officially? So, so Bikachem of Lakewood is very unique in the sense okay. that we um, provide a tremendous amount of uh, concrete services to patients and their family members um, in a all-under-one-roof where we, um, we're involved with patients. So when they come into the hospital, uh, assisting them through that... that um, maze of services that are needed in the hospital, guiding them throughout their hospital stay, and then providing them services that are needed, be it our, be it our, our food. We send out over 5,000 meals a week to wow. transportation. We have a fleet of 18 vehicles that are constantly, constantly taking patients to and from hospitals, to and from med medical appointments, to um, other social events for handicapped patients. Additionally, we have the free loan of medical equipment where we have patients that are home, we're able to give them um, simple stuff like wheelchairs, crutches, commodes to, to uh, more sophisticated items like CPAP machine, BiPAP machines, uh, portable oxygen concentrators, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we have the hospitality network, which is, um, which is a, a network which is called the Friendship House Network, which is the Beaker Home House here in Lakewood, additional to, additional to 10 other locations across the country where we're able to put up people that need to be next to a hospital, either just for Shabbos or in the out-of-town communities for, for their length of their duration in the hospital. Wow. Wow. So you have, how many houses does Bigochelim have right now? Ten? We, we, or? Currently, we, we currently have 10 houses, which, uh, which we operate out of. Uh, wow. Yep. Wow. Um, so... Bikachem is it's it's an amazing organization what you guys do, but um, how does it how do you run it? Like you have you have you have a lot of volunteers I'm assuming right. So we have a tremendous amount of volunteers and tremendous, uh, at this point we have um, quite a few employees as well and wow. it's tr tremendous amount of Seattle the Shmai. I mean each each department is really ran. Um, Independently in the organization on its own, but uh, obviously with, with the collaborative efforts of, of all the all the departments. But every department really, you know, operates on their own in order to be able to make sure that things are run efficiently and correctly. Wow. So I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, but you, after be, after being a rebbe and you, doing bikachem uh, on the side, you you took it you took it and ran with it. How did 
how did Rebecca Casero do that? Like, it, build it up to what it is today. So, Baruch Hashem Liquid is a very unique, energetic, teradig, and, and, and chesed-oriented community. Right. There's a tremendous amount of very good people in town that, um, not that it's easy, don't get me wrong, <laughs> to collect five, six million dollars a year takes a lot of, wow. <laughs> a lot of work and a lot of kayak, and I don't want to, I don't want anybody taking the message home from here that it's an easy job to raise out those funds or to um, pull all of that together. But the, the spirit, Kanina Heart in town, is um, people really want to help out each other. They want to help out each other on a on a personal basis, on a town basis, and on a meat basis. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, with every good or bad thing that hits the town, uh, people respond positively and people respond responsibly and they want to be involved and they want to give a hand and they want to see what they can do and uh, you know Baruch Hashem we have a, a knack of uh, attracting some good talent here the people that uh, want to use their kaifas in the right in the right direction I actually had a friend I have a friend that used to work at Bigachal and um, usually Lepidus so you can take him <laughs> he used to work for us for quite a few years but he can't get away from us he's still right. very actively involved in many of the fundraisers he, as I'm sure you're aware, he's involved in the night at the net. He's involved in our 24-hour dispatch, making sure that the volunteers are uh, dispatchers are are uh, manning the lines and, and getting done correctly. And he's a he's a tremendous asset, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, Baruch Hashem is a good person. So a couple of years ago, we had um, I don't even know I don't even want to mention it, but we had something called Corona. Um, how did Bikacholim get involved? Like I know you guys were very, very involved in in the COVID plasma initiative, but how did you get involved with it? And and if you can explain a little bit to what you did and and all of that, and that if you can. So, so unfortunately, um, when when COVID hit, we really took the we took the message. Of, of of seeing the need out there, and we really um, just you know did everything we can, and we upscaled everything that was going on here. And the, the uniqueness of what happened then was, of course, a tremendous amount of the services that we provided them were different and unique to what we do on a daily basis. But in reality, it was just doing a lot more quantity of many of the services that we were providing. That means a tremendous amount of transportation, tremendous amount of food services. Now, the food services was different. Getting food into hospitals then was a big deal. Being able to get food and keep it refrigerated, keep it temperature controlled, uh, get it into hospitals that were on full lockdown was a tremendous challenge, but in reality, it was just expanding the food department. And uh, the, the, the medical equipment, you know, the medical equipment uh, department has been around a good 15 years uh, pre there, but we right. obviously had to up our game tremendously. We'll have a video of uh, of a few like I believe it was Sunday after Perm, so that was like mid March, just as things were, were unfortunately settling in, and we were all proud of the fourteen concentrators that we owned at that point. Little did we know, wow. later we'll own over three hundred concentrators. But it was literally taking whatever we had in place and just, just upscaling it. Wow! And how did you get involved with the monoclonal antibody? Treatment. So, so we had an interesting connection with the Mayo Clinic. We have a one of our Hikachon houses, one of the friendship houses. Our 
located a few blocks away from the Mayo Clinic, even though okay. in general, out of town, not involved in the day-to-day care of patients. But over the years, we were able to pick up a tremendous amount of connections in the hospitals and in, in the peripheral places. And as the need came up for plasma testing, we went to our nurses and phlebotomists that we had in house, and we said, hey, an opportunity would you be able to give a hand and little did we know that we would be at the helm of a tremendous I'd say national or international effort uh, way before anybody was even thinking of it so the first event uh, in Lakewood for plasma was I think it was the biggest event that you, you guys I mean for COVID wise it was the biggest ever right so the, the initial one that we did was a, was a screen of 1500, 1500 vials and we had a follow-up one in uh, Bar Park a few days later, which was also in that area, somewhere between 15 and 2,000. And then there were two, three follow-ups in Lakewood as well. I think uh, we, we topped off uh, somewhere between between 12 and 15,000 uh, blood samples that we uh, tested out. Wow. So uh, you had to test it out, but it had to go out right away. How did you so we, get, get that to go out right away? So we worked very closely with the... With a, a longtime friend of mine, uh, Simcha Shane from uh, Paraclide okay. EMS, and he was able to secure us a uh, jet that actually went out there that night, the night of, that we were able to fly out the vials. And a couple of days later, uh, a good old friend of ours, Zatzal Yoni Cohn from Chicago, <laughs> Chicago native, that um, actually took his plane and flew out some of the specimens a couple of nights later. And there, if you remember correctly, the um, the community effort and the people behind it was like everyone was going to do anything and everything to make this happen. And, and you know, part of the reason was because we saw a tremendous onslaught of it. And it goes back to the spirit of volunteering. There's a tremendous, there's a tremendous because uh, Claudius, people that just want to roll up their sleeves and the hand. You know, it doesn't make a difference which organization, what the need is. It's just a matter of what they can do and make an impact and help help others. Right. Wow. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. A mushal, a story, aloha, drush, divrei, Torah, quotes, and sayings galore. No matter what type you are, there is something in Torah Tavlin for everyone. Torah Tavlin is a compendium of stories and sayings, wit and wisdom from our Torah leaders and greatest G'daylim throughout the generations. Torah Tavlin is read by over 50,000 people weekly and has a collection of over 10 svarim in print. Sign up today to receive the Torah Tavlin weekly newsletter by sending an email to subscribe at TorahTavlin.org or by filling out the form by visiting our website at www.TorahTavlin.org. Torah Tavlin is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So all donations are tax deductible. To donate or for sponsorships and dedications, please visit us on the web or send an email to donate at torahproblem.org. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. How did Rabbi Kassir get get to Simcha Shane? So Simcha is a top member here in Lake for many years, and I'm right. a very close friend of his, and I am in touch with him on a, on a daily basis. We've done some medical flights before where Taking patients to and from uh, from as, as as close as state to state, or even across the world, or some patients we can voluntarily stroll. But it, but you were you didn't grow up you didn't grow up with him. So how? Yeah, but, but so the, there's there's something very uh, 
there's there's uh, one there's one uh, something very contagious in the field of uh, of chesed in the field of of uh, askanas where you get to meet people that are good people people that want to help out each other and uh, you always make sure to keep their number for a rainy day. Exactly. Wow. Um, there's there's something that you also did with Simcha. Um, it's the Refua app. How did that come to fruition? So, so the Refua app was actually going back um, quite before that, quite before COVID, but going back to probably at this point between five and ten years ago already. Where okay. Simcha told me he has this this uh, idea of building an app which would connect and let people know of all the chesed organizations that are available. Uh, we had put in a tremendous amount of effort going about six, seven years ago when apps were, were newer than they are today. And it was a lot harder to develop them. And, you know, it was, each one was a uh, device specific. And for those of us who remember, we were building it on the BlackBerry platform in the app world. Uh, yeah. That's something which, uh, which is not around anymore. So we, we really, Constantly kept on, you know, upping, upping the data, you know, you know, upping the information, and and really making it available for people. But literally in the past couple of months, we really took it to a whole new level where we released a tremendous update, and things are a lot faster, a lot smoother, and a lot more up to date. And uh, literally every time we, we push an update, or every time we let the community know that there's the app, there's something going on in the app, we we always get a tremendous amount of some negative and a tremendous amount of positive feedback of getting more accurate information. And uh, for those out there that are not familiar with the Refua app, the Refua app is uh, refua.com, R-E-F-U-A-H.com. And it's an app which is location-based. So basically you can be anywhere uh, around the globe and it'll tell you what information you have available, what information is available for patients in that hospital. Uh, be it to kosher pantries, be it kosher eateries in the area, zmanim, mikvois, askanim, chabad houses, any any uh, critical information that you might need is, is available on the app. And it's, it's really an amazing guide. And many times people find themselves in a hospital or in a situation where they need help. And it's two, three, four in the morning and they're not looking to wake somebody up and they can't get the information. It's something which they can have available to them either online, just going to the website or downloading it on your phone to, to uh, get all the capabilities that the app uh, has to offer. Is anyone able to add like locations to the app like themselves or or do they have to send it to Bikohalim and then Bikohalim adds it? So the, ad, the, the, the adding option is available on the app itself. Obviously, internally, we... You know, look at the information and clarify and verify it before we actually publicize it. But we're, we're heavily relying on the community to put the information out there. Okay. Wow. I actually, I, I mean, recently it was updated massively. So actually, I opened it a while ago and it's very nice. Um. So, did Rabbi Kisira ever think that Bikachalim? That it was then to 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 become what it is now. Did did you ever think that it would be possible? Not in my wildest dreams, but I need to be honest with you. Okay. Baruch Hashem, it's a uh, you know uh, 
success is like, uh, <laughs> not that I drink, but success is like a glass of wine. <laughs> and the more you get a taste for it, the more you see the, the, um, the opportunities out there and the, and the need out there. And you have to get unique and, and see what's, what our true needs or what is just uh, what we call hack. You know, to really know what the true needs are, what's, what the patients need, and, and try to develop uh, projects and programs around it or expand it as they're needed. Wow. It happens to be, I think my, my schwager, David Kahn, actually um, donated one of the, one of the vans. So, um, so David, David, uh, David donated us the, the, the first Mama Shuttle. Mama Shuttle these days already is, I believe it's the seventh or eighth year where we have a shuttle that goes, uh, in, you know, we do it in conjunction with the hospital, but we have a shuttle that goes up to the hospital twice, twice wow. a day, takes patients up and down. And uh, I'm sure you're, you're aware that the Mammoth Hospitals, Baruch Hashem, mostly, mostly for babies and for good reasons, uh, patients are in the hospital there. Unfortunately, there are a decent amount of babies that are there in the NICU, so moms have to go back and forth some right. a month or two. It'd be very strenuous to have to drive on their own, and we have the shuttle door door, and it's tremendous service to those that utilize it. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, who does Rabbi Kasira look up to, like for all this, for what he does on a daily basis? So Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm surrounded by very good people over here. And in addition to that, we, you know, we constantly have contact with Rabbi Chabad Cohen, who's our Meridaster, and he's involved in the day-to-day operations in the organization. And, uh, and uh, you know, we're in constant contact with uh, our board, which is a group of Balavatim uh, that stand behind the organization to make sure that we're financially responsible and and assist us when, when uh, things get rough out there as well. Any amazing stories that happened to Rabbi Kassir that you can share with us? So, with, with Big Island? So, Baruch Hashem, I could see a tremendous amount of amazing stories. There's many times where, where it is from small, from small episodes to a big episodes, but you name it, the, you know, many times I'm able to see amazing things happen in, in front of my eyes. But I had a very, very interesting story a couple of years ago. Okay. So it was, it was, uh, said general, I like to schedule my day that I'm in Lakewood in the morning. I try to, like I joke around that I work in the morning and I do chesed in the afternoon. <laughs> so, so typically what I try to do is, you know, get as much as work as I can done in the morning. And then uh, I try to go a couple of afternoons out to the city in the afternoon. To check on the two big houses there. We have one at Cornell Hospital, Cornell and Sloan on 66th and York, and we have another one at 168th and and brought and um, Amsterdam by by Columbia Hospital. So mm-hmm. I'm driving in the city, and it was a, it was a, it was a cold, rainy uh, winter day. Shkia was very early. I think Shkia was about 4:30 or 4:40 that afternoon. And as I'm about to get to the uh, Friendship House, which is a house that uh, hosts any shop is about 45 people that stay wow. in, in the building. We're literally right across the street from Sloan Kettering. And we have patients there from all over the world. We have patients um, from Eritrea, from the tri-state area. We have patients that come in every so often from, from South America because, you know, it's literally the, 
you know, the capital of the hospitals uh, are right there. So I get a phone call that there was a, a, a man that uh, his wife had had a baby earlier in the day. And, um, and uh, he was, his wife had complicated the, the labor and also he was, he was in the hospital all day. And it was, it was about 20 minutes to Shkia. And he looks at his clock and he sees, hey, I didn't put on my phone yet. So I quickly get a phone call. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was looking for that Chabad app, you know, like, <laughs> on a drone service, you know. <laughs> but it was, literally, it was literally 10, 15 minutes before Shkia. And this, this fellow didn't put on film all day. Typically, I had my Talison film in the car. It wasn't there. And I, I said, hey, we've we got to find a pair of film. But I mean, this is a, from a building over here. And I'm literally, um, literally in the building, and I'm knocking from door to door. I felt like uh, like Pony pajamas in the middle of the night, running from door to door in the friendship house, seeing if there's any form of you that was there. And lo and behold, there's no one in the building. And I'm thinking to myself, Shemirat, and this is ten minutes before Shkia. This this uh, this uh, <laughs> this this year, the man's like I put on film. What are we going to do over here? Finally, I get to the top door, and I, I knock on the door. I knew we had an Israeli family there. Quite honestly, I didn't even know if they were from or not. I knock on the door and the woman who comes to the door says, Rabbi, how can I help you? I said, I said, maybe by any chance um, your husband has a pair of tone that's here. I have somebody in the building who wants to put on. She says, of course. And she hands me a pair of tone. So we, we have a little shul in the basement there. And I take the shul around there and he's like five minutes before Shkia. And he opens up, he, he opens up the pair of tone and, um, and lo and behold, as he opens up the pair of tone, the Yamaka pops out. He says, what's this? I said, no, no, no. You have nothing to worry about. Just put on your <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. And it was really a tremendous message to me. You know, you know, and, 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 and unfortunately, we're, we're two days into the nine days right now. And unfortunately, we, we all need the Musser and we all need to remind ourselves that when, when Claudius Rommel struck with any tragedy or struck with any medical crisis, we, we so quickly remagnetize to the Achtis of Yisrael and, and then the, you know, and all the stripes and all the colors and all the different, um, you know, we're, we're part of a beautiful tapestry of, of, of Klai Yisrael. And unfortunately, when Saras did, we all literally magnetize in a second. And unfortunately, the Derech the, HaElm the is that when things are going well, we forget about it. And it's a tremendous right. lesson. And, and we also, so, so even though, you know, unfortunately, when there's time of general tragedy, everybody feels that way. But in these friendship houses and in these bigger home houses, we see them literally on a daily or weekly basis. You could have eaten from across the globe, from different walks of life, different sheepers of life. And, and everyone has their own, you know, literally... Literally, like the Ramam says, we all come from very different molds, but it's, it's a reminder for us that we we're all really we're all really connected, and sometimes we have to peel away a couple of uh, shells on the onion, or sometimes there some of those shells are peeled away on us, and unfortunately, people are are thrown into these medical situations or into other crises, and it's a a reminder to to really reunite each other and care about each other. Wow. That is, first of all, that's an amazing story. Um, getting back to COVID, any, any like crazy stories or amazing stories that you can share with us that, um, that I didn't realize this would be a therapy session. 
<laughs> not trying to remind us of anything. It's just that Bikachim did so much for during Corona that that not yeah. everyone knows what you guys did. So, so we, we've we've unfortunately had some some real wild stories, if I could say. Uh, we had in the middle of COVID, uh, the the Thursday night before Pesach. There were a couple of patients, unfortunately, that got a phone call from one of the hospitals locally that that they would have to make decisions with their family members, with their loved ones, and and Leilenu potentially say goodbye to them. And families were really, really um, stricken that they didn't know what the, what the next or what the right move was. Okay. We approached the hospitals and we said, "Listen, we understand that you're you're under a tremendous amount of stress, and we understand that the, this is not a regular situation. How can we be of assistance?" And uh, it's not a secret, you know. The governor, Governor Murphy, announced because home gave uh, Jersey Shore Hospital 14 respirators, which were used on patients because they were short of respirators. We had them; we had people donated um, these respirators. Literally, a short two three weeks beforehand. When these respirators were donated, we almost self, you know, you know, internally said, "What are we doing this for?" We thought it was like, you know, it was like the buy fire extinguisher to keep it on the wall and uh, hope never to use it. Little, little did we know, all fourteen of them uh, were going to be used. Four of those patients that got those phone calls received the respirators. Two of them, wow. unfortunately, were nifter. There's two of those people. That today are walking and talking literally from that from that direct effort and you know not always are you to see the the amount of you know effort and and sweat you put into these projects and you think sometimes you just like uh, you know, sometimes you feel like you're literally um, shooting in the dark as they say but when you see what a direct impact these services had uh, you really it's 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 only a muster to to keep on going because you know that you know how much people are relying on you. And on that note, you know it's really you know it's very hard for us to know, but we know that Rabbi Shlom gave us this job to do it. It's our job to keep on doing, and it's not. Of course, it's it gives us a tremendous amount of sifuk and it gives us a tremendous amount of credit to keep on chugging when when things are going rough, but. It's a source for us to be able to provide provide these services to people. It's tremendous, and we need a diamond to have a tremendous amount of siyata d'shmaya because you know when you're out there advocating for patients or helping patients, it's not always as rosy as it sounds on a beautiful podcast like you're doing right now. And when you're able to talk about it in hindsight, in, in the real world, it's it's a tremendous amount of effort and it's a tremendous amount of work that needs to be put in. Um, <clears throat> so, Baruch Hashem, uh, COVID's over, but you're so busy with Bigachalim and what, uh, whatever you guys do. How do you, um, how do you balance that with your family? So, Baruch Hashem, <laughs> Baruch Hashem have a very supportive family. My wife, my children, uh, my, my children grew up into it, you know. They, <laughs> you know, as the as the there's a there's a old famous saying of this this child that was uh, this person finally makes it up to Mount Everest, and he says, 
how did you make it up here? He says, oh, me, I'm a five-year-old child. I'm an eight-year-old child. My parents live here. It's, what do you want from me? I was born up here. <laughs> so a little bit, unfortunately, my kids were born up here. But Baruch Hashem, I have a very supportive uh, family that's behind it. And, and, and part of support is seeing the appreciation or, you know, compliments. Baruch Hashem, uh, <laughs> people every so often send over candy dishes or other ways of, of showing your recognition to to um, assisting these patients. And it, it, really, it really is tremendous. Wow. Wow. Um, who is, I mean, you, I think you already answered, but who is the most influential person in your life that you look up to? It, it, it really depends on which, uh, really on, on, on what, what end it is. And Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm surrounded in a town with many other Askanam that are involved in other organizations that I work with literally on a daily and nightly basis that I'm able to interact with uh, depending on what the need is. And there's a, a huge a huge selection of them. Like I told you, we have the Asturio who stands behind everything. Uh, unfortunately, we've lost Shlomo Gissinger Zatzal, who used to be our Bar Astra, who um, guided us and showed us uh, but you know the the unhumanly uh, responsibility there is to the to patients and their families. Getting to Rabbi Gissinger, how did how did Bikachim get to him, and how how was what was your relationship with Rabbi Gissinger? So, because Rabbi Gissinger has always been the address um, has always been the address for any medical shilas looking from all over the world, and this is going back to. Way before I was involved, and uh, the second we got involved in Bikachel, we was our our first address in, in anything medical or any any question that we ever had or anything around. I always used to go to him, and I, I had a very close relationship with him in, in going through many shilas, many many uh, kihila things, and many other um, topics. Unfortunately, which I was. Uh, I was likely to, to be in as the shadows for, for quite a long time. Did you have any did you have a personal relationship or was it just because of Bikachalim? It was because of Bikachalim, but over the years it, it, it turned into a personal relationship. I still remember I still remember one Shabbos morning at about four in the morning I had a halacha shadow. There was a patient that had there was a question if they should leave the patient on a respirator or unfortunately um, take the patient off. And it was a back and forth. It was like 4.30 on a, on a Shabbos morning. I knocked on Rabbi Gissinger's door. And literally 30 seconds later, he's, he came fully dressed to the door. And he says, get Shabbos you there. How can I help you? Like almost, almost as if he was waiting for me all night to show up. <laughs> that was, wow. Those that were excited to wow. see him and know him knew, knew exactly what that was. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And how did, I guess... Reb Simcha Bunim Kohn took him took him over, I guess. Yes, and I mean, they, they actually the the last couple of years of um, of Rabbi Gisner's life, Reb Simcha Bunim worked uh, in tandem with uh, Rabbi mm-hmm. Wow! So you're running a massive, massive organization in Lakewood. Right. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Wow. We will be right back after words from our sponsor. 
Is your computer running slower than molasses? Are you desperate to salvage important data from your hard drive? Let's face it, IT work can be a nightmare at times. Whether it entails virus removal, server or network setup, networking and cloud backup, or simple laptop and desktop ongoing IT support. At VentureTech, we understand how essential your systems are to your daily life, and we take the time to accurately diagnose every technical issue you're experiencing. Call us now for a consultation by dialing 347-603-0033 or shoot us an email to info at VentureTechComputers.com. And we are back on the Unique Perspective show. Um, what was your best advice that was given to you and your worst advice that was given to you? <laughs> well, listen, what... One, one thing is for sure, if I got the best advice would be is not to repeat the worst advice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I think it's a little bit hard to pinpoint what would be considered the best advice or, or worst advice, but being around people and patients and, and, and unfortunately, you know, assisting people and going through certain matzavim and going through situations, you really, over the years, get to meet some tremendous, tremendous people. And I've seen people that uh, maybe in shul or maybe in yeshiva or in other places I thought were very plain people. And I found out these people, um, maybe not in the, maybe not to the letter of the law or how much they learn, but the, I, over the years, I was able to see Gedolim, people that had greatness, plain, simple, bold people that had greatness in the way they interacted with the hospital staff, interacted with their family, interacted in very, very challenging situations. And some of these situations, like they say, can bring out the best and the worst of people. And you see certain people that they're emuna, their their whole their whole, their whole um, personality and everything around them, they're in control. They understand their emotions in charge. And, and it, it's really a, a muster to see it. So I definitely can't pinpoint it to one specific um, case, but to see people in control of a situation. One story comes to mind uh, probably about 10, 12 years ago. Okay. Solomon, who should have himself, his wife was brought into the hospital early one morning, and he was there for. Uh, he he was in the hospital. I think uh, she was taken in about five six o'clock in the morning, and I was in the hospital with the Meshkiyach, and then at about seven thirty eight o'clock in the morning, Meshkiyach looked at his watch, and he says. He said in his, uh, in his beautiful English, I ought to go down. It's time to go down. And then he looked at his clock and he saw it was about eight. It was eight o'clock, eight ten. Meshkiach never down that late. And then he remembered he had yard site that day for family member. He says, I, I still want to, uh, I still want to down the, I still want to down for the army because I have to say Kaddish. He says, I, I really have to rush. I said, Why does why does Meshkiach have to rush? He says. He, scares, he said, I'm scared if I die any later, it won't be a schuss for the neshama. Now, when you hear it from someone in the caliber of, of, of the, the Meshkiyach of Ramat Yisrael Solomon, 
talk that way while he's going through a tough situation when he knows that his responsibility is to be by his wife's side and you know doing it in a calculated way is is a tremendous amount of 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 real clarity that you see from a gobble and someone of that that stature. Wow. Wow. Um that's that's unbelievable that the Mashkiah how is he feeling today? Is he still in the hospital or is he home? He's, he's unfortunately back between the hospital and home and he needs a, he needs a tremendous proportionality. Wow. Okay. Um, where does Rabbi Kassir see himself in the next f- five years? I, I thought you were going from hard to easy. I see you going from easy to hard on me. <laughs> Um, with with the I really hope that we continue to provide services to the patients as the needs arise. And the same way, unfortunately, during COVID, there was one set of need, this very practical care that we had to provide to patients, primarily with equipment, primarily with health at home, primarily with unique requests. As the requests come in, we're, we're going to do our best to uh, up our game and down our game where, where it is or isn't needed. And we are working very closely now with the hospital here in Lakewood and with others. We've established something called the GHLI, which is the Greater Lakewood Health Initiative. It's no secret that Lakewood is short physicians, and we are actively recruiting physicians to Lakewood, New Jersey. We understand Lakewood is unique. Uh, family moves in, the doctor moves in. They have to get their kids into yeshiva. They have to find a house locally. They have to break into a community. There's a lot of there's a lot of internal uh, jog and exercise they need in order to to sort of say fit in, in Lakewood. And we understand that it's not easy. And myself and a couple of others are working very hard and doing anything and everything to make it more comfortable for these doctors to move into town. Because we realize right now the, the figures that we're looking at Lakewood is short 25 physicians. And really trying on all angles to try to fix that uh, the left void. Someone told me recently because I know a lot of older older people are moving to Lakewood now to these uh, fifty five and above um, developments, and that they're coming back to New York or Lake or Manhattan to see their doctors because there's really no um, old doctors for older people. That are in Lakewood is that is that going to try to be changed or is is that the way it is? It's going to be. So we're 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 definitely trying to change it. We're trying to change it, and uh, right now we're not discouraging anybody that's going back to the doctors in New York. Those that can still do it for right now, unfortunately, they don't have another choice. Obviously, um, we have a referral department which literally does that all day, trying to get patients to. Uh, to primary care physicians, specialists, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And how could everyone learn more about Biko Chaylam? So uh, we're, we're easy accessible. Our phone number is 905-3020. It's, uh, our number's out there. We, our, our hotline uh, handles about a thousand requests a day in all the departments that there are. And this, you know, the, everybody's, everybody that's involved uh, everybody that's involved in, you know, each department tries their best to 
get back to people in a, a timely fashion so they can definitely call our office. We're available online, lrbcol.org. And, uh, this, and most people, once they reach out to us, they have the initial contact with that specific department and uh, we take it from there. And I guess you guys, anyone can donate on the website, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, what is Big Khalim's budget for every year? Because Hellen's operating budget is a little over five million dollars per year. Wow! Between the between the uh, transportation department, which is eighteen vehicles, to the food that the, the the food that goes out on a on a weekly basis, to the medical equipment, which we're constantly updating, to the hotline, and to make sure that all the services are are intact. Wow, that's a big budget. Um... But obviously, it's, I mean, you're able to to still function, Baruch Hashem. Anyway, I just wanted to say thank you so much for letting me interview you. Um, keep, keep, keep doing the great stuff that you do for the Kal. And Mitzvah Hashem, maybe sooner rather than later, uh, um, Mashiach will come and there will be no more need for Bikachalim. But uh, until then, um just keep it up and and keep on doing it for as long as you're able to. Amen. Thank you so much for this amazing, unique interview. Keep up your great work, getting uh, getting uh, good positive messages all over the world. I'm sure the thousands of listeners out here out there will appreciate it. And uh Hatzlacha to you. Thank you for the opportunity. Shkayach, Shkayach. Kaltov, have a good night. Kaltov. You have just listened to the latest episode of the Unique Perspective Show, broadcasted live on Hako Radio, powered by the Munson Mavasser. The Unique Perspective Show is hosted by Yehuda Blonder, who can be contacted through Hako Radio by sending an email to info at hakoradio.com. This show and many others can be found in the Hako Radio archive system, on our website and mobile apps, and can also be found on all major podcasting services.